become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I'm a neurologist and sports medicine doctor with offices in Philadelphia, Delaware. And we're here with our host, Spencer the Wizard Grossinger, who is our sports analyst and future communication star somewhere in the United States in college. So given that scenario, we just finished another exciting week of NFL football. The Giants prevailed again. Eli Manning did it again. We look around and we can see certain trends. And that's what we want to talk about in this first segment. Not only just going over scores of games, but let's analyze what quarterbacks have it. The inner belly, the ones that have the heart and the skill to take their teams far. And also, let's look at the pretenders. Let's unmask some of these people. And let's figure out what teams are going to be moving ahead. So with that, I'm introducing Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. Thank you, Dad. That was a um, that was a brilliant introduction. I want to thank Voice America again for uh, for letting us uh, have this opportunity to host our show and get our get our voice out. And we just have a blast uh, doing the show each and every week. Um, and right now, uh, I just am honored to be a communications major for Voice America. I'm not looking ahead, and this is just this is just all I can ever ask for. And thank you. Um, and now I'm ready to dive into some NFL football, and let's kick back and have some fun. Okay, so um, looking at the whole scan of games, the clutchest quarterback maybe in the last decade. Um, there are two very clutch quarterbacks that came out of the 2004 draft class in Ben Roethlisberger, but Eli Manning, when it comes down to the fourth quarter, you just have so much confidence in him to come through. When he has the ball with, with a minute left in the game, you just have confidence that he's going to go down there and score. And eight times out of ten, I think that Eli Manning does that. And then when he doesn't do that, he comes very close. But most of the time, the guy is money. And the key to being a real NFL quarterback and getting the job done is having a short memory. Eli Manning played probably his worst game of the season Sunday against the Redskins. He threw two horrific interceptions into double coverage. Um, to quote Tom Coughlin, it gave him a lump in his throat after each interception. Um, but Eli Manning then had to watch his defense 
uh, give up a 70-yard drive to a rookie quarterback on their home field. And that rookie quarterback, Robert Griffin, isn't your average rookie. He's a special player, and he made some special plays, including a fourth down play where he had to waggle around in the pocket and where he hit the guy on fourth down. So he just watched the defense blow it. A lot of quarterbacks would have been like, wow, Robert Griffin, unbelievable job. The kid deserves to win. But Eli Manning was like, okay, Robert, if you're going to score that touchdown I'm going to come back and score it and it was just remarkable that a quarterback who is playing his worst game could just instantly forget about it and how he could lead his team down and throw one of the nicest passes of the entire season a throw a 50 yard bomb that you know, I was listening to Redskins fans today, and they they were uh, they were in the other room celebrating the Robert Griffin touchdown and calling their friends saying what a great Redskins victory it was. And then they came back and they were speechless because they saw the Giants celebrating what was known as another Eli Manning miracle. So to make, to be a great quarterback in the NFL, you have to have a short memory, and when the game is in sight, you have to snatch it. Um, looking at the division that, that the NFC East, this is a great segue to another, to a quarterback who I believe has so much skill, but right now is just not getting it done. And that's Michael Vick. We look at the game versus Detroit, which we were at. The Eagles had a 10 point lead. It's not like the Giants were RG3 marched down and the Giants were trailing in in a dogfight with Washington. The Eagles had this game and Michael Vick had the ball back after his defense, you know, didn't have a great drive. The Eagles were up by three. It was third and seven. He needed a couple first downs to kill the clock. He didn't need to drive 70 yards like Eli. No, he just needed to get a first down. And you know what? Michael Vick threw some incomplete passes. He couldn't get the job done. He let the Lions hang around. And then in overtime, he had another opportunity to close the deal. He didn't do it. Tom Brady, who only threw for 170 yards, when it was time to come into the game, drive the Patriots down for a field goal, he toyed with that Jets defense. He tore them apart. Tom Brady's one of the great ones because when the game is in sight, he's going to do everything he can to snatch it. So you have to be a clutch quarterback, and that was a common trend in the NFL for this week and definitely um, going forward. Well, you mentioned Ben Roethlisberger, and we watch a lot of football. We watch a lot of tape. And one thing we see is we see for a big guy, this guy just has a knack of throwing the ball and making things happen. He's fearless. He takes hits in the pocket. And here he goes to Cincinnati and really pulls out a very important victory for the Steelers. If they would have lost this game, this this, the season may have slipped away. So, again, uh, the Steelers ran the ball very effectively. And certain teams, you know, when we were talking about the winners – we talked about the Patriots and the Steelers. Some teams just figure out a way to win. So if you could give us some of your insights with respect to Steelers-Bengals. Yeah, Sunday night football game. The Steelers' D really contained Andy Dalton and A.J. Green in this one. Um, you know, Green had that one touchdown reception, but other than that, he was pretty quiet. Um, they forced Dalton into some turnovers. Big Ben is really something else because he... If you look at Big Ben, he's not a guy who's going to put up, like, let's say Aaron Rodgers numbers. But 
the guy on third down is a machine. And Ben Roethlisberger is just a pure winner again. When there's a third down, I, you know, he's right up there with Eli Manning and a guy that I would take to get a first down. The guy just won't leave the field. And as a quarterback, you need to be able to do that. If I had to be a coach, I would look for a guy that, that is not willing to go to the sidelines. The great ones on third down, they convert. And if they don't convert, they're yapping at someone's ear. Something went wrong, horribly wrong. That urgency is something that Big Ben has. And the ability to extend his play, just such a creative mind. But the Steelers with a big win. And you look at now on the other side, I'm going to segue to Baltimore. Just got whipped by the Houston Texans. Texans are for real. They played well class of the AFC, but Baltimore with Ray Lewis going down for the season is just such a motivational leader in the locker room, including uh, a cornerback in Lysterius Webb who's a very talented defensive back. Um, Baltimore now is reeling, and if Ray Rice is kept in check, which he has been this season, he hasn't really been the same Ray Rice as we were accustomed to seeing. He still had a pretty good year, but Joe Flacco um, looked good the first couple of games, but I don't really think he's made that big of a stride. You look at the Steelers in Baltimore, I expect it to be a tight race in the AFC uh, North. I think Pittsburgh has a legitimate chance. They still play Baltimore twice. I think Pittsburgh has a legitimate chance to catch Baltimore in the AFC North. Well, you're mentioning quarterbacks who are definitely clutch. We glossed by the Packers, who, uh, who beat the Rams. Another great statistical day for Aaron Rodgers as the pack wins 30 to 20 and certainly Rodgers after a slow start has come back really strong you look at the Saints and Drew Brees in a shootout in Tampa 35 to 28 and again these great these great quarterbacks will will continue doing it and uh in the quarterback is such an important position now you talked about the loss of Ray Lewis it reminds me a lot of Derek Jeter what happened to the Yankees when Derek Jeter went down they completely got torched. They lost four straight. Without their inspirational leader, the Ravens just look like an average team. So I really think when you have a, a leader like that uh, and they go down, uh, it really takes the heart out of the team. And the Ravens, uh, you know, again, the Texans are, are really riding high. They're really having a great year. And, and they've had good regular seasons before. The question is, the Texans, can they carry it through the playoffs? They've never done it before. But if any year is going to be their year, it would be this year. Well, I look at the Houston Texans to definitely take home field. This is a great opportunity for the Texans because in the AFC, this is probably the weakest AFC we've seen in the past 10 seasons. You look at the AFC, and I'd still rate Houston as the number one team in the AFC. And the Patriots, even though they look skeptical, still with Tom Brady, they still have pieces from last year. All their games that they lost were close games. Um, with Gronkowski looking better, their passing game is going to pick up. Um, their secondary really needs to improve, though. The Patriots have the skill to compete. And I wouldn't be surprised if Houston made it to the AFC Championship game and took on New England um, in the AFC Championship. So Houston, I definitely think they're going to take home field advantage because they're a good regular season team. And I believe that they could win a playoff game. I don't think they can make it to the Super Bowl. 
Um, but again, that's for later to discuss. They have a good running game. It's, I think it comes down to Matt Schaub if he could take it to the next level um, and be really pretty solid, which he has been. Um, so, um, again, Green Bay, just such an impressive win versus St. Louis on the road. St. Louis is such a difficult place to play. At the beginning of the season, if I told you Green Bay were the win by 10 in St. Louis, you'd say, that's pretty good. That's what we expect. But look at the teams that have dropped in St. Louis. The Redskins lost there. Seattle's lost there. Arizona. St. Louis at the Saint, at the Edwards Jones Dome was 3-0 and this year. Green Bay um, is really coming back strong, and that's predictable because Rodgers, McCarthy, the, f- the faces of the franchise there are consistent and steady leaders. It's quarterback and coach, man. That That's a lot of what the NFL's about, and maybe a defensive player or running back. Um, and uh, and now looking around the league, the Saints' defense is just the worst. It is a hor- horrific defense. I mean... That's putting it in mild terms. They let Vincent Jackson and Joshua Friedman walk all over them. It looked like Montana and Rice out there. I mean, it was absolutely embarrassing out there. Freeman froze for 400 yards and three touchdowns. Vincent Jackson, I mean, a free agent wide receiver, a, D, a pretty good wide receiver. He walks on ice this week, absolutely explodes versus Saints defense. It looks like a middle school flag football defense. Drew Brees, another superhuman effort. The guy has thrown for 11 touchdowns in three games if the Saints have any form of defense this will be a team to reckon with but right now their D is just non-existent out there um so there's a lot there's a lot of other games to mention uh we are just dipping into the NFL we still have another great segment coming up on football you're listening to Bruce the Sports Die. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. 
or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and we're right in the thick of the NFL football season. Enough games have gone down that we are now able to draw some conclusions and really do some deep thinking about the NFL. This segues right into my co-host, Spencer the Wizard. We've talked a lot about brilliant performances and clutch performances, particularly by Roethlisberger, Breeze, the usual suspects, Brady. Now it's time to look at the dark side. Guys, they're disappointing. I think the, the obvious place to start is Mark Sanchez and the New York Jets. So I want to hear an analysis not only of Sanchez but also of the Jets as we approach the midseason mark. The Jets have been placed in, in a tough situation. Um, they they didn't have a strong offseason, questionable moves. They didn't get out and go get a wide receiver, which they needed. It's Antonio Holmes and Revis are out. And Darrell Revis is maybe one of the most talented defensive players I've ever seen in my lifetime. So that is a huge loss and a leadership loss. But let's look at the Jets. They had such a golden opportunity to beat New England. The AFC East is extremely weak this year. Um, and just the mindset of them going to New England. I mean, even if you were pulling for the Jets, which I'm not saying I was. I'm a neutral fan. <laughs> Never mind. I'm a Giants fan. And uh, I and uh, as a Jets, you know, I was I was looking at the Jets game. Um, and I just didn't have the confidence in them to win that football game. Uh, they had some, the, the Patriots gave them a gift several times. The Jets were driving and Stephen Hill dropped a football inside the red zone that they needed to make. Uh, they needed to make that catch. They needed to score a touchdown. They ended up getting a field goal in the red zone. Then the Patriots muffed the kick return. The Jets got on the 20-yard line. What did the Jets do? Sanchez throws an incomplete pass. They they have to settle for a field goal. They allow Brady the chance to win the game. You can't allow teams in the NFL to win. You got to take it by the reins and you got to stick it to them and score some touchdowns. You got to get seven instead of three. You look at Mark Sanchez and quarterbacks in the NFL that don't get it done in offenses. He's a guy on third down that just doesn't cut it. He's a guy that's willing to walk off the field and punt the football. You can't be like that. You got to be able to convert on third downs. And to do that, you have to be more accurate. You have to be more in touch with your wide receivers. Sanchez has a case of throwing the ball behind wide receivers. He has a case of throwing it too hard in certain spots. And he underthrew a ball, intercepted it. I think that Tim Tebow just has more of a killer instinct. It's a lot, the, and the position of quarterback's a lot about personality. Now I know that Sanchez might be a better thrower than Tebow, but the bottom line is I still think that if Tim Tebow was in there, I think that the Jets have more of an urgency to win than Mark Sanchez, who's willing to punt the ball and rely on his defense. As a quarterback, you gotta rely on yourself and your offensive unit. Um, another, guy that I want to dive into is the collapse of Cam Newton. Um, 
one and five in Carolina. Last year, you saw Cam Newton throw for 400 yards in consecutive games. And many people were saying this guy's headed to the Hall of Fame. Many people were indicting him into the Hall of Fame after one year. And Carolina didn't win games last year, but they said Cam will figure it out. Just give him this year. He's having a sophomore slump, to say the least. Well, looking around the league, I think we also have to look at the Buffalo Bills. Certainly we have some very close friends who are Bills fans. It just always seems like they get edged out. So this week was no exception. A total shootout. Who would think the Bills would score 34 points and lose to the Titans? But indeed, that happened. You also look around, and you you mentioned Cam Newton, the Cowboys pulling out a victory. And as we go through here, uh, as we go to press, the Bears have a 13 nothing lead against the Detroit Lions. So, again... The Bears probably the best defense in the league, and we were talking about that earlier. Again, this show is going to be – we're not going to be able to wait till the end of the game. But I think we do need to talk about the Bears defense. Yeah, I'm going to talk to, about the Bears defense. Again, about Cam Newton. I kind of teased you guys there for a second. But I believe Cam Newton's not doing well because, one, I think that Ron Rivera as a head coach – really needs to establish his role in Carolina. He needs to be more of a mentor to Cam Newton. He needs to take more control of this player. Cam Newton has all the talent in the world to do it. He's a big guy with a strong arm who can run. The bottom line is you got to get him some wide receivers. But the reason why I think Cam Newton's not doing well is he's taking things for granted. This is the first time in, a, in probably about four years since he had to leave the University of Florida to go to junior college that Cam Newton hasn't been successful and into the spotlight. I mean, think about your persona. If you go to junior college, you win a championship. Then you step onto the Auburn campus, win the starting quarterback job, lead a team undefeated in the SEC, win a championship at Auburn, come back and beat Alabama down by 21 points in Tuscaloosa on your way to doing that, win a Heisman Trophy, Rookie of the Year, best rookie quarterback of all time. Your ego, it's natural It's natural that your confidence is going to be through the roof. You're thinking that now you're just going to be given everything. But that's not how the NFL works. And that that's really what's happening to Cam Newton is now he's just realizing that the NFL isn't a picnic. And I'm actually going to work. I'm going to have to work harder to really be successful. And uh, that that's pretty much what's going on this season is that Cam Newton realizing now that he has to turn it into another gear. This is not the end for Cam Newton. He has still so many gears ahead of him. Um, I'm curious to see how he comes out next year and how he finishes out this season. With Buffalo, their defense just can't get it done. They've had some horrible performances this year. Mario Williams is not doing anything. The, their draft picks, you know, are not stepping up. But Chris Johnson, who's a mediocre running back at best, who hasn't been the same for two years, he comes out, runs for 200 yards. They let Hasselback drive on them in the last drive of the game. Hasselback has a huge day. Tennessee, allowing them to score 35 points, their defense lost them the game. But saying that, 
Fitzpatrick can't throw that interception with three minutes to go when you have the football. Um, so Fitzpatrick just needs to know to make better decisions. Again, that's a losing football play. And Buffalo, I'm ruling them out for sure now. This is a game they needed to win in a very tough schedule. Even if they would have won this game, their defense still played awful. But the bottom line was, again, they can't get it done and they lose a game that they absolutely needed to win. Uh, it's it's either, it, it depends. If Buffalo does successful at the end of the year, it'll probably hurt them overall because they want to save up for a quarterback in next year's draft or a high draft pick. Um, and then, and then uh, Chicago, uh, best defense in football. Loving them this season, um, Bruce. You know, look at looking at these teams. It seems that this year we have a lot of the same teams that were in the postseason last year. Are there any teams outside of the playoff teams that you look at and say they can break in and make some noise? Well, uh, that kind of leads me to where I was going. Uh, a team that didn't play, and the question is. Are the Atlanta Falcons as good as they've been uh, so far? Uh, Matt Ryan, uh, I think he's coming into his own. Uh, We've met him, and he's a very nice person. I I have to say, when I meet people and they're very nice to us, I tend to like him a little bit. And he was very nice to you at the Philadelphia airport. Certainly a very thin guy. And the way way to beat Matt Ryan is to to physically uh, attack him, sack him, and blitz him. So... The question is, Atlanta Falcons could be distinguishing themselves more so than last year. But it's true. Beyond that, not really a lot of surprises. The Texans certainly having a great year, the Falcons. But other than that, not a lot of surprises. This kind of leads us into, uh, we got a little bit of time for the preview of Eagles-Falcons next week. That's perfect. You know, I, I definitely want to talk about Atlanta. I have a pretty strong opinion on them, and... uh I'm going to come out on record here and say that I believe that Atlanta is exactly the same team it was last year. Even though they are a 6-0 football team, the wins on their schedule have been very... The teams that they've playing are just not very good. But the bottom line is I see the Eagles kicking Atlanta back into reality. I see Atlanta as a team that has a good home record. That'll get a good seed in the playoffs, a good regular season team. But if you tell me right now, like 2010, if you tell me right now that Green Bay's going to go into Atlanta and play them on divisional weekend, I'm taking Green Bay nine times out of ten. I look at Matt Ryan, and I still see the same guy I did last year. I still see a guy that has trouble converting on third downs. I still see a guy who makes mistakes that needs to develop a passing game that goes very vertically down the field. He's been better in the fourth quarter this year. He's been scraping out wins, but I look for the Eagles to pummel Atlanta. I'm taking the Eagles by 14 here, and I believe that Atlanta will not be a threat in this very talented NFC. I do not see them even making it to the NFC Championship game. There are so many great teams out there in the NFC, and and right off the top of my head, Green Bay, San Fran, the Giants are all, in my opinion, lengths better than the Atlanta Falcons. Well... The second segment really flew by. We got into a lot of opinions, and we want to thank Spencer the Wizard. 
In the next segment, I'm going to talk about RG3. Was it a concussion or not? Did the Redskins do the right thing? And again, it brings us right back to the same topic about concussions. So again, I want to thank all the listeners down the line at Voice America Sports. Stay tuned. Get a snack. We'll see you in three minutes. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. School to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I want to take time to focus on a concussion suffered by RG3, Robert Griffin III. He played in a loss against the Atlanta Falcons, and... If we looked, I've looked at the video several times. He took a shot to the helmet. He went down, and it appeared that he was unconscious. So it leads us into the definition of concussion. The fact is, he was knocked unconscious. He laid face down for a few seconds. And we looked at the post-game interview by Mike Shanahan, the coach. And he said he wasn't sure what quarter it was in the third quarter. So at that time... He really wasn't sure what the score was. We knew he had a mild concussion, at least according to the doctors. It feels good right now. So after this, flash forward one week, and that was a week ago, Robert Griffin had an exciting, scintillating run. He did play in the game. According to the reports from the team, the Redskins had him undergo impact testing and an independent neurologist and the team doctor cleared him to return. So now, today, it came down that the Redskins are being fined $20,000 for 
not being uh, truthful with releasing the information. So let's go back to the um, the time of the game. And it said, the NFL will review how the Redskins handled the release of information. In the sense, they said he was shaken up. But they didn't report that he had a concussion. So I think in some ways, 20000 is just a mere slap on the wrist. So uh, as it turns out, sometimes there are mild concussions. And the Redskins ultimately, while they weren't truthful in diagnosing the concussion, or at least reporting it to the league, Griffin underwent the impact testing. He was cleared by two doctors. He went on to play in the game. And for the last two weeks, he's been, uh, he's been quite sharp. And in fact, as we talked about earlier, Robert Griffith orchestrated a, a brilliant drive, a, uh, a scrambling fourth down play for a first down. And the the NFL really, uh, the only thing they could do is criticize the Redskins for not admitting it was a concussion. So as a neurologist, as a concussion specialist, I can tell you that this in this case, it worked. Robert Griffith had a mild concussion. He did not suffer with headaches, fogginess, dizziness, memory loss, any of the types of symptoms that would have precluded him from playing. And... He, uh, he was able to come back, and the testing by the independent neurologist and the team doctor, coupled with the impact testing, which is a, uh, a software program developed at the University of Pittsburgh. So essentially, all of these factors were at play, enabled the Redskins to clear Robert Griffith, to follow the letter of the concussion policy, and ultimately, Griffith has done well. So let's take a step back from this. For all of you high school athletes, college athletes, and peewee football players, we could see that Griffith said, I'm okay, and I think after all the tests, I'll play next week. So he was certainly lucid at the top of his interview. But the converse is true. Many people who have concussions don't realize, don't have the insight to realize they have subtle problems. And they may try to sweep it under the rug. In the offseason, Peyton Manning said how he might try to falsify his baseline testing in order to facilitate play in the game. And again, this, this is speaking to the old, uh, the old way of thinking about concussions. And we have to caution all the people out there that we have to go through the rigorous testing, the impact testing. And when patients are symptomatic, they have headaches, dizziness, fogginess, to go back into the field of play risks something called a second impact syndrome. Second impact syndrome is a condition where after an impact, the brain swells and there's influx of calcium into the cells and we've seen several cases of catastrophic brain injuries. So yes, we look at RG3, we're all happy he's back, but please don't be deluded to thinking that you could always bounce back from a concussion because, uh, as we talked about so many times in the past, when athletes have concussions, they must wait until their symptoms abate. They often need to be treated with medicines. They need to rest their brain. For all of you high school players out there, what does that mean, resting the brain? It means turning off the computer, turning off the, the tweets, and truly letting the brain heal. This brings us to the next next topic in the field of sports medicine. 
the tragic fall from grace of Lance Armstrong. All of the information has been released, and today it was official. Lance Armstrong was stripped of his seven Tour de France titles. And here in Philadelphia, there was a, a news story about how Lance bribed members of opposing teams. A total of $50,000 were paid out to ensure that his team was allowed to be victorious here in the Philadelphia uh, cycling race at that time. So you have a guy who admittedly didn't test positive, but according to all the reports, had one of the most sophisticated and coordinated programs of blood doping. What blood doping means is increasing the oxygen-carrying content of the blood, essentially stacking the deck, as well as concerted effort by his team to, uh, to suppress his information, and it all blew up. And uh, everybody, members of his team, doctors, friends, collaborators, have all admitted that Lance Armstrong, uh, you know, essentially cheated. And it puts a stain on the sport. And you take one of the great heroes, Lance Armstrong, a cancer survivor, you know, a great role model, and to see this exploding and to see him not even contest the uh, the allegations. It's really uh, really a sad time. But I think it's important for all of those who support the uh, cancer charities. I guess it's Live Strong or Live Strong. I'm not sure how you actually say that, but this is a case where you you have to dissociate the the man, Lance Armstrong, and the cheating from the good things he did with respect to cancer research and cancer treatment. And uh, it's really sad, you know, to, you know, as an American with a lot of pride to see Lance win those seven Tour de France's certainly gave us a great feeling that a guy could battle back from cancer. And now that all of this has come out and, uh, you know, is it, certainly a, a sad time. And this is really uh, dovetails with Major League Baseball. The admission by Alex Rodriguez that he did steroids. You know, Roger Clemens didn't have to go to federal prison, but there was certainly abundant evidence that, that he did steroids. Barry Bonds, a great player who, in my view, was a Hall of Famer before he started using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Certainly there is abundant evidence through the Balco investigations that Barry Bonds cheated and he had much like Lance Armstrong a very sophisticated program of uh, anabolic steroids and uh, you look also at McGuire Sammy Sosa that was a time that really captured the hearts of America it was a time that really brought back baseball baseball was kind of floundering going sideways and then you had the McGuire Sosa home run derby go back and forth and then we learned later on that you know we can't prove it but certainly there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that uh both players were using performance enhancing drugs and when you look at the stats you basically had Sosa you know who came from nowhere to hit, to hit all those home runs McGuire was already a big player 
But again, uh, it, it, it's alleged that he used the steroids in order to cut back, that he was older, that his joints were wearing out, and that enabled him to be involved in the home run derby. So you'll note some consistent themes that, w- that we're regrettably talking about. One, of course, is concussions, the promotion of safety. We let off with that in this segment. Also, the issue of steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. Also, the issue of human growth hormone. And still the inability for the NFL to test for HGH. And you look at the players around the league and you see so many players who you, you at least suspect are using performance-enhancing drugs. And what happened to those players? Their muscles get so large, they get so bulky. And what happens is the tendons and the joints are just not made to, uh, to handle the stress. And you see a lot of uh, athletes who have short careers due to steroids. So this segment sure flew by. We have one more segment, which will be devoted to sports medicine. We thank you for listening to Voice America Sports, Bruce the Sports Doc and Spencer the Wizard. We thank Ray Ellis, our sports director. We thank Michael Mitchell, our chief production person in the Valley of the Sun. And we thank our own Matty Ice, who produces our show every week. And these people certainly deserve props. So again, thanks for listening. One more segment to go. We'll be back in three. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. School to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the fourth and final segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, 
and I'm a neurologist and pain doctor in the Philadelphia metropolitan area. Therefore, if you're within the sound of my voice, that is, you could drive to my office anywhere, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, I'm here to help. Again, we treat sports injuries, car accidents, work injuries, anybody in pain. So if you're interested in seeing me and getting a consultation, you could call our office at 610-521-6063. Again, 610-521-6063. This segment is about a common theme. It's called lumbar injuries, low back injuries. We wanted to have you be able to discriminate between musculoskeletal pain and more serious injuries. Firstly, how do we distinguish benign low back pain? Typically, that deals with pain in your back that does not radiate down into your legs. We have to look at certain features that do not exist with you. That is, no radiating pain into either leg, no leg weakness, no numbness, consistently in one or both legs. Most importantly, no change in urination or bowel habits. So even if the pain is excruciating, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a serious nerve or disc problem. Let's go to the converse now. What heightens our thoughts that you may have a herniated disc? Firstly, it has to do with the type of injury during play. Oftentimes, it's a hyperextension of the spine, a direct contact. Jumping and twisting are all risk factors for herniated discs. Also, if you feel a pop or actually hear a pop while exerting, that makes it more likely that you have a herniated disc as opposed to a benign strain. So what do you do? The first thing I would suggest is ice, rest, if necessary, elevate the legs. And the next thing is go to a qualified doctor. Certainly you could go to your family doctor. You could go to a host of specialists, orthopedic doctors, neurologists, neurosurgeons. And what they'll do, the first thing is they're going to take a history and they're going to do a physical exam. If they find that the motor power to both your legs is normal, that is your full strength, they check your reflexes usually at the knees and the ankles, they're normal and symmetric, and your sensation is totally intact. That certainly is encouraging. And it's more likely that this is just a strain of the back, and it should get better with time and or any other conservative treatments. The converse is, if your doctor finds a pattern of weakness, reflex change, usually a dim diminished reflexes or sensory loss following a back injury, it's time to take the next step. These days, the next step involves a high-resolution lumbar MRI. No need to have contrast for this. And now, most open and closed MRIs yield roughly equivalent results. There was a time that open MRIs, which were more comfortable for the patients, really um, gave us a fairly poor view of things. And those times have changed. So you go to a qualified MRI center. Usually a neuroradiologist will read it, and they'll give you the results.
common findings. Little bit of drying of the discs, no big deal. Little bit of narrowing, no big deal. Bulging, not so bad. When you get into words like herniation and extrusion, that means that the inner part of the disc, the nucleus pulposus, has ruptured through the outer covering and bad things happen. Two particular bad scenarios. One is the disc breaks through the outer covering and compresses directly on the nerve root coming out of the back. Another potential finding is the disc could herniate and cause a local chemical reaction, that is, with certain chemical mediators in the body, the disc may not be seen to compressing the nerve root, but a lot of inflammatory mediators, prostaglandins, and other type of vasodilators come into the area, and what do they do? They irritate the nerve, and they could even injure the nerve. Under these scenarios... It's time to recognize that there's a problem. Let's say you have a herniated disc. What's next? I'm going to be targeting specifically sports injuries with this answer. Ice, anti-inflammatory medications, and, and gentle stretching after a period of rest are indicated. However, physical therapy... While clearly helpful, instituted too early could actually cause propagation and worsening of symptoms. And a full course of physical therapy may take so long that the athlete may essentially uh, have the clock run out on the season. So a next step that I advocate is something we do in the office, and that's called epidural steroidal injections. In our office, we don't use cortisone anymore. We use corticosteroids in association with local anesthetic agents. We do it under local. It's quick. It's easy. We use a fluoroscope, which is a special x-ray that gives us a multi-planar view so we know exactly where the needle is. It's usually very quick. You might wonder, what are the results of epidural steroidal injections? I refer you now to the 2012 American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons annual meeting. And I'll also reference a Dr. David Geyer Jr. of Charleston. Shout, shout out at to him. He's an orthopedic surgical director, and he did a nice review. And I'll be, pre, I'll be presenting his review and analysis along with the results from the 2012 American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons annual meeting in, of all places, San Francisco, home of the 2012 U.S. Open. There's a citation of Dr. Crick. I'll spell the name, K-R-Y-C-H, M-D, who noted a review of a single NFL football team over a seven-year duration from 2003 to 2010. So there were 17 players who had distinct disc herniation. A total of 37 epidural injections were performed for the 27 disc herniations. And when were they performed? Pretty soon after, an average of four days from the injury. What are the results? The answer simply is encouraging. 89% of the NFL players on that team returned to play after the injections. 
and they only lost 2.8 practices and .6 games. Four players required a repeat injection, and three of those four were essentially in a group with a subset group that eventually did worse and required surgery. So of these 17 players, ultimately only three required surgery. 89% did very well. So these are very encouraging statistics. So why do epidural injections? They're safe, particularly when fluoroscopy is used. They're effective and usually well-tolerated. And most importantly, they could avert the need for major surgery. They can also enable a return to play, not only for athletes, but also others, such as weekend warriors and uh, a whole host of people who have these low back syndromes. So here, we're certainly touting epidural steroidal injections featured following football-related injuries, as noted at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. Well, let's preview next week's show. This is Bruce the Sports Doc with Spencer the Wizard. Next week, we'll do an NBA Finals recap. We'll also look at a concussion update. We'll dive into the Major League Baseball season, and it'll be time to decide which teams are buyers, which teams are sellers. There's an additional wild card spot in the AL and NL. And what does that mean? It means more teams are hedging their bets. Less teams are bailing and selling, and it'll be quite interesting as this thing rolls right up to the All-Star break. Again, I want to thank Will Pedrick for his contribution to the show. As always, my co-host, Spencer the Wizard, otherwise known as Mini-Me. We want to thank the listeners across this great network, Voice America Sports. We want to particularly thank Ray Ellis, the sports director of Voice America Sports. We want to thank Michael Mitchell and his excellent production crew. Many times, this thing goes right down to the wire, and we've got to put our show in, and the producers with our show in particular, don't have a lot of notice. So we want to shout out to everybody along the line of Voice America Sports. Most importantly, we want to thank you, the listeners, for allowing us to continue to mix sports and medicine. Thank you, and have a great week. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.